or the next. I didn't want to see anyone. I just wanted to write about Jamie. I thought about him, dreamed about him. I could see his dark eyes, his dark hair. I could hear his laugh. I knew what was good about him and what was bad. He was brave and honest. His honor was such that it was a life force. He was proud to the point that it hindered him. But for all his many virtues, he was also vain and at times as lazy as a cat. All he wanted was me, I mean the heroine, to wait on him. After two weeks, I went out with Steve, but it was as though I couldn't really see him. Nothing seemed real to me. All I could seem to hear and see was Jamie. Steve did everything he could think of to get my attention. But after eight months of receiving nothing from me, he told me he wanted to break our engagement. In a scene that I felt as though I were looking at from a distance, I gave him back his ring. The only thought that was in my head was, now I can spend all my time with Jamie. Months went by and still I kept writing. Jamie was no longer a Scotsman, but an Englishman in the time of Queen Elizabeth I. I think it was the wedding invitation I received from Steve that made me realize I had a problem. I think it was probably a bitter, hurtful thing he did, sending me that pretty engraved invitation, letting me know that I had truly lost him. But actually, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. I realized that I had discarded a real, live, utterly wonderful man for a character I had created on paper. I decided to get help. I spent three months going to a therapist every day. That was useless. No one had even conceived of a case like mine. At home, I cried a lot and yearned for Jamie all the time. I didn't just want to write about him. I wanted to feel him, touch him, talk to him. I wanted to follow his long legs down country paths. I wanted to bear his children. I don't know what would have happened or how long all this would have gone on if I hadn't met Nora. Like a spider sitting in the midst of her web, she had an office across from my hairdresser's with a huge red neon sign that said astrology. I thought, I'll go have my chart done. I say that Nora is like a spider because I soon learned that she knows even less about astrology than I do. She put the sign up to attract people. Nora really is a clairvoyant. And as soon as I sat down and asked for my chart to be done, she said, How about a psychic reading instead? Sure. That one word was the beginning of everything. Nora frowned at me. You're not supposed to be here. Where are you supposed to be? (laughs) At my computer. I'm always making jokes, but then she was the clairvoyant, not I. Shouldn't she be divining where I was supposed to be? You are in love with someone. Deeply in love with them. But something is wrong. Something is blocking that love. What is it? I sat there in one of my rare moments of speechlessness and stared at her. I should explain that Nora didn't look like a fortune teller. She had a sweet, round face, big brown eyes, dark hair, worn in a short, fashionable cut and Connecticut lady-on-the-weekend clothes. I took a deep breath. I do not know what is blocking me because I am not in love with anyone.
Lots of therapy in the last months had convinced me that I could not love a person who did not exist. Thank you so much, Nora, but she didn't even let me finish. You do not know you are in love with him because you have not met him yet. I sat back down in the chair. Now we were getting somewhere. When am I to meet this man? Nora just sat there staring at me while I stared back. I was glad I wasn't paying her by the hour. While I waited, Nora ran her hand over her face. You are a very unhappy person. I drew in my breath sharply. No one had ever before said that to me. I am successful, self-confident, pretty, smart, etc. I am what I hoped I would become. I gave Nora a raised eyebrow look. I am a very successful writer. Money means nothing in life. Then what constitutes success?